We have always been gifted with an inspiring message, and I was listening to the service this morning and felt so inspired because it really embraces our challenges and lifts us to this high vibration of love. Will you please join me in welcoming our speaker this morning, our very own Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron. Good morning. Welcome. He's back. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm going to invite you. Yeah, isn't it nice to have Brown back? I told him when I go through the pearly gates, he's going to be playing the soundtrack. But of course, that means he has to go first. <laughs> Doing the piano, you know, get it moved around. So, what I'm going to invite you to do is uh, um, sing a song with me, which has uh, become a tradition here. If you go to other Science of Mind centers for spiritual living, the minister does not sing. Uh, some do, but most don't. And so, uh, I don't want to misrepresent the movement. But uh, in this very room is a song that is uh, part of, has become part of this uh, community. And really the music, I love Nathan. I have such a, uh, a, a, a warm spot in my heart for this man. I did a, a Teze service at our Asilomar conference. And Teze is a, actually a, 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 a town in France. And what it is, it's devotional song and prayer. And, uh, and Nathan, um, and I was asked to do a, um, a piece of poetry. And I selected some verses from Jackson Brown's Alive in the World. And Nathan after I, and I didn't know who was going to sing it, actually sang that song. So I just, and I just love having your energy here with us. It's a blessing. Thanks for making the journey. But, yes. And so, in, in building on that energy, and building on that uh, vibration of the Most High, I'd like to invite you to sing this song with me. And if you'd like to stand and do it, great. If not, please stay seated. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very So know with me, as I recognize that one life, that Father, Mother, God, that is within all life, and as I claim it as my life, as I become that person identified completely with God, my heart opens, my mind opens, and my vibration is lifted 
to a different frequency. And it is, as Nathan just sang for us, love. And so what I know and what I'm called to this day and invite you to join me in that call and that journey is that there is a, there is a potency of love, there is a vibrancy of love, there is a, a healthy form of love like I have never experienced before. But, and I stand ready, willing, and able to say, here I am. My life is your life. I don't have all the answers, but something within me and that divine intelligence, that divine intuition that I open to and I listen and I pay attention and I respond. And so this is what interests me this day, this moment, so that what is seeking expression uniquely for myself and for you has a greater opportunity for expression on this planet. And so what I know is that my consciousness continues to shift and change so that my heart, my global heart, the heart of compassion, the heart of unconditional love that that great teacher, Jesus of Nazareth, so demonstrated so beautifully in his life, in the legacy that we stand upon, and so many other great teachers. That is our experience. That is our opportunity. It is a language unknown to me, and yet I'm willing to step into it and learn it. And so I know today is a celebration of love, of grace, of beauty, and the integrity and the courage to look at our lives where that's not showing up and realize that that's just a fact, but facts change all the time. So I celebrate our conversation today. I celebrate the the birthing of consciousness within every person here to bless this planet so that we give birth to a planet that works for everyone, that we continue to awaken in our own way, in our own beautiful way, and live in the joy and the freedom of life like never before. For this, this is my intention, this is my expectation, this is my invitation to you as well. Thank you for joining me on this journey, and together we say, and so it is. Cool. I was standing backstage uh, when, when uh, the first song started, and I was having a lovely visit with Anna Beaumont, and then Anna said, I'm supposed to be out there singing. It was beautiful, Anna. I've been there. <laughs> I think I'm supposed to be out there talking right now. All right. You know, why do we do this every week? I'm just always fascinated by it. It's like, and, and, and why am I, always, am I always the guy that's got to bring the message? Which is quite an honor. I don't know. I, I signed up for it, I guess. But I mean, but you know, we, we talk about the same thing every week. I just move, move the pieces around a little bit, and then it sounds like a new talk, but it's the same talk every week. That, but, but you know, um, we live in such an amazing time, and we have so much information, too much probably at times. And so it's, it's our opportunity to look at the information and filter and discern what, we'll, what, what we're called to. How do we answer that call? And I wanted to share a few ideas with you this morning about that. I'm going to keep my eye on the clock because we have a very special uh, uh, ceremony this morning that we that want to honor some individuals that represent um, our teaching at its, its finest. But I've been using Gary Zukov's book, Spiritual Partnership. And spiritual partnership, as I mentioned last week, is this idea that there's two activities that are taking place on the planet right now. One is that everyone is becoming more awake, that the the collective consciousness is... And we see it. We see it with the instantaneous communication. I believe the Internet is 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 a reflection of that, that there's this divine intelligence that is that has allowed us through technology to have almost instantaneous information, which in some ways is great, and in some ways, you know, there's no secrets anymore, which is, which is actually a good thing, too. But, 
with it, so there's this divine intuition that's alive and dynamic on the planet. The other piece of it is, as Zukov talks about it, is that there is a group of individuals that um, not only understand that intuitive uh, uh, impulse, but also understand that along with that comes a group of people that actually choose to live their lives with intention. And what we know, what Ernest Holmes talked about, is that, that every thought, it's the, it's the, it's the nature and the consciousness, the vibration beneath the, 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 um, the thought that's so important. Dr. Holmes was a prolific writer, and, and he inspired our teaching. He, didn't, he was a compiler. He looked at all the traditions and said, this seems to be consistent, and this seems to be consistent. And what we know, if that we are going to truly live the Christ-like life, is that when we embody a certain nature, a certain vibration, a certain consciousness, then, then our prayers have more meaning and impact. And so for all of us, it's, it's unwinding those errors of belief and those words of resistance that keep us from that experience. And so the great thing is we know this. And then it's just about the opportunity to take our devotion and commitment and our repetition to our practices so that we can, so that we can become clearer and clearer and a, and a, and a more uh, potent form and expression of divine life. Dr. Holmes said that freedom and bondage are identical in the same sense that water and ice are the same thing. Isn't that interesting? That freedom and bondage are identical in the same sense that water and ice are the same thing. He also said freedom, the free flowing of the divine spirit through us and at the same time to exercise the faculty of personal choice. Keep, keeping personal choice immersed in the divine flow of spirit so we're one with it. So, and so when we, we, we do our work and, we, and we, we, stop, we stop living so much, so potently from those errors of belief, then our, we know, we get the, uh, when I was in Chicago two weeks ago, one of the uh, uh, facilitators talked about having a full body yes. A full body yes. I've been practicing the full body yes. So if you see me in line and you invite me out for lunch, I'll probably say, let me pray on that. Rather than say, oh, sure, free lunch, free meal. As my dad would say, never pass up a free meal. We used to do that. We used to do, uh, do a spaghetti dinner. And we'd invite everybody and we'd do that. It's kind of our celebration. And all of a sudden, we'd have, you know, we had... 500 members at the time and a thousand people would show up for the free meal because they'd obviously been listening to my dad don't pass up the free meal which was a wonderful thing it's just people I saw one time and never saw them again um, but the point is is that to live in that our choices become immersed in the divine flow of spirit one with it and brings us to the power that as, as Holmes said Jesus used and the work he did becomes possible for us Ernest Holmes said that we, we have not achieved our purpose until when people enter into this in our environments, our communities, and they are instantaneously shifted. And he says, it's not wrong if it hasn't happened, it just hasn't happened. So be about the business of that. So when people tell me when they come in and they say, man, this just feels like a, a wonderful spiritual community, and I say, well, thanks for noticing. Because it's, it's just what we are and what we do. And if we tried to manipulate that because we wanted people to have that experience, it, we, we would fail because our, our intent would be self-serving. Uh, Zukov in the book talks about parents. He talks about one parent sending a child to college because it will make that parent look good. And it'll impress the neighbors and it will impress the extended family. And what he talks about is that that's a consciousness of taking that this person is acting from a sense of this is going to give me something, which is the consciousness of fear. He also talks about a parent that decides to send the child to school just for the child's education because we, what we want to do is support the, the brilliance that lives within that child 
and at all that that contains. And so it's very subtle, but it, those are the subtleties that make all the difference. Those are the subtleties. So what we have to do is he says, as Zukov says in this chapter that I'm using in the book, it's the why beneath the why. The why beneath the why is the intention that creates consequences. The why beneath the why. So as we start to realize there's no private good and that there's no competition, because the world will tell you there's competition. Just read the paper. But it really, and, and so that's the world of effect. Jesus of Nazareth said, I am in the world, but not of the world. I am in the world. He understood it but I'm not of the world. And what he was saying was that I see it, but it doesn't affect me. I'm not influenced by it. Because these ideas were alive when he came along. So as we wake up, and, and, and many people, the majority of people on the planet don't even understand they are oblivious to their intentions. Zukov tells a story of walking around with a pair of skis on his shoulder. He uses the metaphor he used to walk around with a pair of, because he skied a lot, and in in the short part of the ski would be up front, and he'd have the long section sticking out and then he would turn around quickly and people would be ducking and hollering at him and everything else. So when we're, we're moving through life and we're oblivious to our choices and our intention, it's the same kind of idea. We've got people behind us ducking to get out of the way and we don't know it. And so, you know, it's kind of, and the deal is, it's just like if you violate a traffic law and you go to court and say, well, I didn't know that was a law. The judge says, oh, you didn't know it was a law? Okay, we're going to, we won't fine you. Yeah, right. As they say in court, ignorance is no defense. And it's the same with us. But it's, but it's consequences. He also talks about, which I think is another subtlety of this, is the common misconception is that the healthiest intention is to feel good. Because if we're doing our work and we're serious about our lives, there are times that we all have to make choices where we have to stop the behavior. If I'm addicted to alcohol... If I am addicted to drugs, if I am addicted to gambling, if I am addicted to sex, if I'm addicted to whatever it may be, and I say, I'm going to stop this behavior, it doesn't feel good. It's uncomfortable. I, I love Esther Hicks and I love Jerry Hicks. She talks, Esther's the Abraham Hicks information. I love what she says, always reach for the, the best feeling because that will lift our vibration. But sometimes we've got to be willing to look at where we are and say, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. And I've got to go through the withdrawals. And the beauty of it is when we're in looking at the withdrawals, what, is, what are the triggers there? What is the why beneath the why? Why do I do this? Because if we're going to continue to wake up and we're going to be of value to ourselves first and foremost and to other people, this is the work. This is the work that we must be about. Marcia, Marcia Sutton, who I've been using her co-creation material for the last several months, and I know that some are... Uh, it, it's just powerful stuff with the co-creation, but she talks about the kingdoms. There's four kingdoms in Marcia's uh, uh, material that she talks about kingdoms of consciousness. And the first kingdom is victimhood. Someone, I was working with somebody last week and, and she was talking about the relationship she's in and she said, well, no, he's got his feet firmly planted in victim land. And most people have their feet firmly planted in victim land. And... <laughs> You know, so you know what the conversation is going to be. There's a guy that comes in every so often and he always insists on meeting me. He's been doing this for years. Now I'm, I'm realizing that I get to work with a full body, yes, I probably will stop meeting with him. But he comes in about every six months and he wants to sit down with him and he wants to have the conversation. And, every, and this has gone on for about four or five years now. And every time we meet, we have the same conversation. The same conversation. And he's got his feet planted firmly in victim land. And then I say, well, you know, I get it, and I have compassion for that. I'm sorry that's happened, but where do you want to go from here? 
Well, I don't want to go anywhere. I'm, I'm quite content to be in victim land. Okay, got it. I'm putting a three-time limit on that stuff now. I'll, I'll listen to it three times, and then I support you, love you, and I, I tithe you back to the universe. <laughs> I, I pray for your highest and your furthest. You can still come and be here, but I'm not going to support you in being a victim. So this idea that it should always feel good, that can be a trap that we can step into because when we start to change behavior, it's uncomfortable. My teacher said it over and over and over again, get comfortable being uncomfortable. So what, what, uh, what Zukov talks about is in, the, in this wonderful uh, chapter 5 in the book, it looks like this, by the way, Spiritual Partnership is he talks about Plato's story of the cave. Dr. Holmes was a student of Plato as well, and I I was reading this morning what Dr. Ernest Holmes had to say about Plato. Plato said very early on, and centuries ago, you know, 400 years before Christ showed up, that, that, that the perfect form is the world of, of, of being aware. And I'm gonna give you a story to back this up. And it requires disciplined and intellectual inquiry. Disciplined intellectual inquiry. Plato was talking about this. This is what Gary Zukov's writing about. It's what Marcia Sutton's doing with the co-creation. But Plato tells a story, it was a teaching story he used, and he said what, what, what he would imagine for the students or create for the students is that all these people were in a cave and they were chained in the cave, they couldn't move. They're shackled in the cave. And there was a fire burning and what they could see was, and someone had placed statues on the other side of the, the fire from them. They couldn't see the flames, but they could see, the, they, you know, could see the, the, the light from it, and they could see the shadows on the wall of the cave. And finally, somebody broke free of the, of the shackles and went outside to the daylight and realized, this is reality. I've been living in the shadows. And so what Plato would teach is that most people live in the shadows. And the shadows are those limiting ideas about ourselves. You know, man, we are, we are pieces of work, aren't we? The stuff we do to ourselves. You know, the fear, the judgment, the criticism, the, the, the diminishing of ourselves. As, as Zukov says, at first painful sen- sensations appear to be caused by circumstances, by other people. For example, receiving notice of an audit. After a while, you will make, very import- uh, make a very important discovery, one of the most important in your life. Your painful sensations recur but the apparent cause of them frequently change. So in other words, we'll, we'll get the notice of the audit or we'll get the, the traffic ticket or we'll get the bill that came in unexpected, whatever it may be. And what it does is it touches that same, that same area in our lives, that trigger. The same painful sensations that tormented you in your former marriage, your job, or city, repeat wherever you are and whomever you're with because it's part of who we are. It's our consciousness. Each time they do, you react in the same way that you did the last time. For example, you become angry, jealous, frightened, vengeful, or overwhelmed. If you habitually shout when you become angry, you'll shout again. And if you, <clears throat> and if you habitually withdraw, you'll withdraw again, and so on. In other words, your behavior is predictable. You do it again, the same thing that you, you did the last time. You became angry. You are in prison. You're shackled. Some people are imprisoned by anger, some by jealousy, and some by vengefulness, among others. Recidivism is very high. Most people spend their entire lives in prison and they die in them, still angry, jealous, and more. 
They live unexamined lives, Plato's term. Chained deep in a cave where only shadows are visible. And when you blame a spouse, a friend, a coworker, a boss, or the universe for your anger, jealousy, or any other painful experience, you are chained in your cave. So the good news is we know what it is. And the challenge is, is to go about the work of dismantling it. You know, and, and, and we all have it. We all have it. I got up this morning, I was telling the first service, and, and I'm doing all this work, and a lot of, I had a lot of dreams about anger. And I get up, and lo and behold, I'm like spinning in anger, and then I'm thinking about this person said to me, and oh, that one, and, I'm like, mm, mm, mm. and all of a sudden I realized, Zukov talks about it in the next chapter, being the coach in your life. Who are you going to send into the game? I don't want the angry guy coming here and talking to you. It's not fun for you or me. It's not going to serve any good purpose. So for me, then it's, I sat down and I did my releasing prayer, which I do every day. You know, I release the, the belief that the, the world is too big to handle. I release the need to be angry, and I'm grateful God is the freedom I am. So that's the prayer I work with today, and I sat down and I did that, and I did that, and I could see my resistance because I got to about 25. You do 70 of them. I got to about 25, and then I'm looking at the bookcase trying to read books while I'm doing my prayer. <laughs> What's that title over there? Oh, I should pick that up, and that's God guiding me. No, it's not God guiding you. It's you being distracted. <laughs> I mean, we tell ourselves all kinds of stories. But, but we're all in it, and, and part of what, the reason you do it 70 times, if you've done any of the sacred healing circles or the fear of faith that I've, I've, I've shared with you over the last several months, we do it because it breaks down our resistance. We all, oh my, I am resistance, resistance, resistance. And it shows up in so many ways, I mean, and I, it's alive for me, and so what I do now, when I catch myself in the resistance, I just say, I'm going through. I'm going through, I'm doing this work. And every time I do that work, is I, I said to my mentor that I've been working with on this stuff, I said, you know, this, uh, is this ever over? Because this is, it's one word and then I got another word to release and then I got another thing to release. And I said, when's it over? She said, never. I said, oh, thanks. But the point is, is that as she said too, it's, we light up one cell at a time. And see, we're immersed not only in our own faulty thinking and our errors of belief about ourselves, we don't measure up. We're not good enough. How can I possibly have greater good in my life? I don't deserve that. Do you know what I did? Do you know who I betrayed? Do you know who I lied to? Do you know what I did to my, to, to my loved one or my, my family, my kids, my, my, my community, whatever it may be? You know, to, to gather together the evidence to support that idea. But the reality is, what Holmes taught, what, what Jesus of Nazareth taught is that there's this, this pristine Essence, which is God's life that lives in, in and through and as each and every one of us. And so as we move out of the kingdom, first kingdom, which is victimhood, which is everything is done to us, and to that second kingdom, we realize, you know, thought's creative. What do I want to have in my life? I want to set an intention and have a certain experience in my life. Because what happens is Dr. Ernest Holmes said, we have divine discontent. This doesn't work for me anymore. I'm uncomfortable. So all of a sudden, I'm the coach in my game. I'm not sending the victim into the game anymore. I'm sending somebody else who's more awake and more aware that says, you know, I can direct my life. And I can, but what it, what it requires is I've got to be mindful of every intention I set, every thought. Is it moving closer to my experience and closer to embodying the consciousness that I seek to express or not? And then as, as Marcia Sutton says, we work through the, those are the first two kingdoms, victim, victim, which is to me, 
Second kingdom is by me, that I direct my life. I start to wake up. I start to exercise my free will. I start to make choices. As Holmes said about freedom, to exercise that freedom. To the third kingdom, where everything is done through us. See, Jesus talked about that. Many times he'd be in the third kingdom. He'd say, it's not I but the Father within that doeth the work. He also said, Those, these things I have done, ye shall do an even greater. But we can't do them from victim consciousness. So the important piece is to pull it, pull it up into our lives and look at it as, and, and see where we are shackled inside that cave of, of the unconscious. And that's our work. It's not easy because sometimes you just want to go back to sleep, don't you? And yet that's why we're here. That's why we're here. See, our divine good, I, I love this piece. My, my teacher always used to say, your divine bounty. You know, there, I was raised that there was only so much and that if I had... My mother was a wonderful lady. She'll be 90 this year, and we're going to go see her in a couple weeks. I haven't seen her in a number of years, but wonderful lady, but she was always about everybody, put everybody else first. Everybody first. Take care of everybody else first. But when you're giving from that perspective of not having and you're giving away, it just feels horrible. uh, to To me, I was like, when do we get some? You know, but I mean, that was the reality of where I was. And it's, it's about us doing our own work and showing up fully orb. So it's not about I'm doing this because there's something for me to get, which is the consciousness of consumer. I'm doing this because I have so, I'm so full of love for life and what I believe in and what I stand for that I want to contribute. And so then my goal is, and I understand this too, the subtlety once again is that from Greg Bear, I want you to be happy. I want everyone's ha- I'm in for everyone's happiness. That's, that's my intention but I'm not responsible for your happiness, which is the paradox. But that's the healthy perspective. I can do everything to bestow happiness and give you everything that I possibly can to, for your greater good, and you may tell me to take a hike. And then if I'm, in my, and, and if I'm doing my spiritual practice, I'll be disappointed because that's part of the, the thing of life. But at some point, I'll do enough of my own forgiveness work so that that's not a problem for me. I showed up, I did my best. I gave it all I got. And I get it. The gift that I'm offering, there's no place for it to be received. That's hard. That's hard. But see, if my, if my consciousness is in alignment with being a contributor rather than a consumer, then I understand it and I have the insight and the awareness. And the forgiveness work of self, all the things we've done, how do we, how do we create that state of grace? Because the fourth kingdom leads us into that state of grace. But it's our spiritual evolution. What a great thing that we can sit and have, and we can be together and have this discussion. We can decide who's going to, who's, who are we putting in the game? Who are you going to put in the game today? The angry guy? You know, if you're playing hockey and, and somebody touches Wayne Gretzky in the game, you put the angry guy in to take care of the other angry guy. You know, I mean, it's that, but we all have this game. And, I, and, and we can choose to put the angry guy in. Or we can choose to put the, 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 the love in. Or my, as Holmes said, there's no private good. Your good is my good. I celebrate your success. Your success does not in any way take away from me in any way, shape, or form. That is the consciousness that Jesus of Nazareth talked about. It is not I, but the Father within that do the work. I am in the world, but not of the world. He understood that. That was his message. That is Holmes' message. Ernest Holmes just said the, the birth of Jesus on this planet was the greatest thing that ever happened. Greatest thing to ever be celebrated. 
But we don't, we don't look at it as we've got to... I'd rather have you love your kids than love Jesus. I'd rather have you love one another than love... I mean, there's a, you know, let's love Jesus. And I, at, at, that, at that, that base level, what does that mean? I grew up, with a, uh, I, I grew up in a family of, I call them gasoline, gas station Catholics. We would pull in for an hour, we'd get filled up, and then we'd go driving back out again. We didn't apply any of the principles. We just would go fill up for an hour, because we had to. So you didn't show up, you go to hell. I didn't want to be going to hell. But the, the, but the point being is, once again, the subtleties of it, why we do things, the why of the why. So this week is an opportunity for, for you and I to look at who we're putting into the game. Because we're the coach. When we step out of that victim consciousness, all of a sudden we realize, I'm the coach here. And see, we live in all four kingdoms. We live in all four. Sometimes we can fall right into victim, the trap of victimhood. But, and that's not a bad thing. It's just catching ourselves sooner rather than later. So we minimize the damage we do. So we don't have to apologize to everybody we know. Just a few people, maybe. Or to ourselves. We will forget. But that's the journey. That's the journey. I'm going to invite our practitioners. We've got some practitioners uh, today that we're going to do a, a um, dedication ceremony. So I'm going to invite them to come forward. And we're going to do a, uh, a process with them. These are people that have dedicated a number of years of their life to practicing what I just talked about. So that when you come to tell them your story of where you have forgotten your way, lost your way, they don't say, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember when I did that. I, when you, the story is, I don't, I don't feel deserving. If you sit down with one of these practitioners and they say to you, I know exactly how you feel. I don't feel deserving either. Just say, thank you very much and head out the door. Because, and, and because what practitioners, practitioners are trained to do is to see that perfection of you and to support that and to give that life. So the prayer work and the whole conversation is around listening, letting you empty out the container of the errors of belief and resistance, and then supporting you in a new intention. And that's what these people have done. And it takes time. It doesn't, it doesn't happen over a weekend. It takes time and dedication. And it's ongoing for every one of these. And they know, why are you guys standing so far back there? Come on up here. Pardon me? Gary said it's the consciousness of fear. Okay, you decide. All right, so here, here's Sue Edwards, Karen Yance. You know Sue's? She sings a little bit around here once in a while. Yes, I do very well. Murray Gibbs and Gary Buckingham. So, here we go, gang. You ready? And I just honor your time and commitment and love and devotion to our movement, our teaching, and your willingness to step aboard this this practice in such a powerful way. So having completed the prescribed courses of the Centers for Spiritual Living leading to the recognition of practitioner of religious science and having duly made application to be listed officially as a practitioner, these people that I just mentioned, Sue Edwards, Karen Yon, Suze Hodge, Murray Gibbs, Gary Buckingham, fully understand the sacredness of the high calling of a practitioner and understand the responsibility placed upon them. They have already decided to specialize in the healing work of the center through the practice and the science of mind treatment based on the principles of the science of mind. This is a holy moment, and it is. And I thank you all for being here. You're part of this. Your energy is part of this. 
I got to tell you, every time we get together and, 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 and we celebrate, we, we shift the consciousness on the planet and, and, uh, in amazing ways. And I'm just, I can, I'm having the God bumps right now as I read this to you. It's a holy moment. And though, the, though the, through the vows to be taken, these people offer themselves to be used by God in the field of spiritual healing to help lift humanity and consciousness above all limiting experiences. Obedience to the second great commandment, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself by putting another's good before that of self is the motivation for this pledge of dedication, which is what I just spoke to you this morning about. Loving service to God and humanity is the intent of each one, coupled with an invincible conviction to glorify God in the flesh in their own lives and in the lives of those that come to them. So I'm going to invite each one of them as a, as a metaphor and as a, as a commitment to each take one more step forward as I call your name. So Sue Edwards, Karen Yons, Suze Hodge, Murray Gibbs, and Gary Buckingham. Down through the ages... There have been those in whom the light of the divine love has burned so brightly that they have been willing to work in selfless love and service for others. May this light of divine love shine forth in the lives and service of all of you. Therefore, at this time, we ask all of our practitioners that are in attendance to stand and ministers, and we stand in the consciousness of God within willingly and unreservedly dedicating ourselves to the art and science of the spiritual mind treatment based on the principles and teachings of the science of mind. I now give you your vows. Do you dedicate yourself as a practitioner of religious science working under the authority and license granted to you by the Centers for Spiritual Living that you will adhere to the principles taught by this center in practicing the art and science of spiritual mind treatment? Will you ever be ever aware of the high office and function and conduct yourself, conduct yourself with dignity, integrity, moderation, and sincere devotion to every act and in conformity of the code of ethics for religious science practitioners? I do. Will you call upon, when you are called upon for help, will you endeavor always to be aware that you are acting under the authority and license granted you by the Centers for Spiritual Living and as such that you are an instrument through which the divine is restoring people to their original perfection? As a religious science practitioner, will you practice the principles that set forth in the science of mind teaching? I will. Do you dedicate yourself to minister to whomever may call upon you in time of need? I will. Do you so dedicate yourself that you will be constantly aware of the God presence within all people, regardless of faith, race, or station in life, and that you will see only the perfect person, perfect in body, in mind, and in spirit? As a practitioner of religious science, do you bind yourself to absolute confidentiality with all to whom you minister unless you receive their explicit consent, consent to do otherwise? I will. Do you dedicate yourself to the discipline of regular and faithful prayer and meditation for greater enlightenment and understanding in order that you may expand the expression of your life in loving service to God and humanity? I will. Finally, do you dedicate your whole being to the healing practice of the science of mind? These vows of dedication, which you have assumed, are only the outward expression on an inner dedication and, and consecration, which you have already made within your souls. Through this act, you place yourselves in a very special relationship to others. And by the means of your practice of the science of mind, you have the great privilege and glorious responsibility of being an instrument through which God restores others to wholeness of mind, body, and affairs. 
You have voluntarily and freely assumed this sacred duty, as well as this exalted privilege. And through your consecration, all those whom you can help will be irresistibly drawn to you. They will be sent to you by Mother, Father, God, who shall heal them as you reverently and faithfully do your part. Healing requires not only steadfastness of purpose to be God's instrument, but also as great love for all humanity and a burning desire that every person shall walk the earth as a divine expression. In the name of all that is holy and by the power of Almighty God, you have been given the power to know the truth that heals all manner of sickness and all manner of dis-ease. And this you do dynamically and lovingly in the name of God, by the power and for the glory of God. Behold now, you are the beloved of God. We salute the Christ in you and bless you as an instrument of divine healing. The peace of God be always with you. Congratulations. Congratulations. You're welcome. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. So I'm going to invite Nathan to come on up and share another beautiful piece of music with us. And the practitioners are going to stay up here and do the electric glide for us. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead, sit down.